0: So the big question is this, how are ambitious people like us who don't have a lot of resources, did not go to Ivy League colleges, were not born into wealth, how do we become resourceful enough? Use our creativity, our dedication, and a little bit of crazy to bootstrap our way to realizing our dreams. Whether it is launching a new company, launching a new app, or making it to the top of the corporate ladder. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. Hello, and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. Today, I will be talking with Sydney Marr. Sydney um, is a multi-talented woman who has overcome many life-challenging obstacles in her life. Uh, One of them was actually a near-death obstacle, and she has uh, not only survived, but also thrived in her career in spite of all the hardships uh, that came along the way. Uh, So right now she's a fashion designer, product development strategist, wellness uh, enthusiast, and a former professional athlete. So let's welcome Sydney. Sydney, uh, we are excited to have you and uh, learn about your story.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for um, inviting me to join you this afternoon, Madhuj. It's so interesting, the entrepreneurial um, journey that we all have and the passions that we chase through our life. And I really was excited to have the opportunity to share some of my uh, highlights and some of the challenges that I faced along the way and still being able to accomplish many of my dreams.
0: That's awesome. That's uh, exactly what we are all about here on this podcast. So let's dive in and let's uh, uh, get to know you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, how you got started, and what are some of the challenges you faced along the way?
1: Yes. Well, I actually, um, was born and raised in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm a good old Canadian and I was a young athlete. So I was an elite athlete from the age of six as a competitive figure skater. And I really loved it. Honestly, Manoj, I thought that skating, and I still do, I still think that being on the ice is more natural than walking.
0: (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, um, I saw snow for the first time when I was 22 years of age. Uh, I actually live in uh, Vancouver as well. So uh, that's great. It's a great city. And I grew up in India. Obviously in India, we've never had snow or ice or anything like that. And I learned um, skating. It was uh, quite thrilling, actually. You know, I, uh, it was uh, hard to learn at that age, but I did learn it and I do enjoy it. So I know what you mean. And to your point, it's, um, it's wonderful that you found your passion because, you know, once, once you find exactly what you love, it's very easy to devote yourself and, you know, bring the best out of, uh, out of yourself, isn't it?
1: Yes. I I didn't mind getting up at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, Everything was a little bit like a military operation, even though I was a child. Uh, 15 minutes to get up and to wash up. I have 15 minutes for my breakfast, 15 minutes to make sure that I had my skates and someone was going to be picking me up. So, you know, we not only had to skate uh, and do everything, but As most of the kids, we were challenged by our parents to make sure that we kept up our grades. So Mm -hmm. then we went to school, then someone would pick us up at the end of the day and we would go to uh, back to the rink. So it was really a a life passion of mine. I thought that I was going to skate until the end of time because it was where I was happiest. And when I was training for one of the major competitions, I was on North Shore Winter Club's ice and they had put too many kids on at the same time. And I had a very bad skating accident. One of the um, other skaters smashed into me and almost severed my leg
0: wow yeah so that's what I was going to talk about so uh, walk us through that journey you know if it's not too painful I know uh, these are hard memories but uh, whatever you can share please do let us know like how how it happened how did you get through that uh, challenge
1: well that's a, a great question and I, I would like to share that because when you were so set and this is the only thing I'm going to do. This is the thing that I love the most. And this is what my life is going to be. And when you feel that it's taken away from you,
0: mm-hmm. there's,
1: there's quite a, um, a bit of a healing process that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky, um, my um, doctor was a sports medicine doctor and he went to the government and put together a team of doctors from the U S and the first micro surgery on my leg. And in Canada, they made teaching tapes for the rest of the universities. And I was given the um, ability to have my leg back because there was a very, very good chance they would have had to amputate it. Mm. And during the long process of healing, which was about, um, a year and a half, learning how to walk again, I went back to school. And I went back to school for fashion because as a young skater, because I was very much in the Karen Magnuson and taller Cranston um, era, we were very expressive. We had programs where we not only were athletic, but we wanted to um, as sort of performers wanted to express, was it happy? Was it sad? Was it whatever? And I also designed all of my own costumes, nice, and nice. it was a natural ability to be able to take that. And and you know, uh, you tell a uh, an overactive eighteen year old to sit there and do nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So I took all of my energy and I put it into my fashion career. And because I was lucky, my skating coach had really taught us not how to be um, a competitive figure skater, but really taught us um, life lessons on how to accomplish things. So I was able to take um, my discipline, my manner of learning, and apply that to fashion.
0: Knife, and that knife.
1: is really what made the big difference on being able to jumpstart start. My career in fashion and I didn't have to start back at the beginning. I didn't have to go back as if I was six years old again. I was able to start from where I was and to springboard forward into what became a really fabulous fashion career for over 30 years.
0: Nice. So that's a very inspirational story. Now, um, here I would love to uh, get into your your mindset and and see how an eighteen year old girl, sort of, you know, who went through this trauma, um, can keep a positive mindset and sort of continue to go. Not only not only that, but also look at you know an inventory of skills that you gathered over time, and then you know, said to yourself that, uh, hey, I need to move on with my life and utilize these skills. So how did you How did you go through that period and uh, sort of you know talk yourself through this uh, this hard time?
1: Well, I think there are a couple of things. First of all, uh, what many athletes have to deal with um, is to ter- in terms of mindset. Um, being dedicated, knowing that um, it it doesn't matter how many times you fall. It matters how many times you get up. And I remember challenging one of my skating coaches one day because I was frustrated. And I said, how many times do I have to do that to get it done? And he kind of looked at me a little bit like I was a crazy person and said, Mm -hmm. well, until you do it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't about how many times you fell or how many times it was just, just do it. So I then went and skated, you know, did another turn and, and I landed my double axle and he was like, so there you go. (laughs) So I think that having the disciplines, um, behind me, learning how to, uh, organize myself, be disciplined, how to, um, apply myself really, it wasn't about learning um, how to skate or how to be a fashion designer it was about I already knew how to work
0: yeah yeah that's very well said Um, and what about those fears like you know you said that uh, you had a fear that maybe you know the doctors uh, would have had to amputate you like like did that cross your mind did that sort of uh, affect your uh, psyche uh, at all
1: Absolutely. I mean, I had great friends. I mean, my skater friends would say, hey, come on, we're going to go out dancing and would go, you know, pick me up. And even though I couldn't always, I I always could walk, but because my right leg was very weak, or shall we say, um, I couldn't depend on it, because there was nerve damage. So if I hit a pebble, I would be flat on my behind. I would be, I would fall down and they would just pick me up and, you know, or we'd be at a nightclub and dancing. And if I was wobbly, they just picked me up. And so you just learn, you just learn along the way. And I realized that as a, as a new fashion designer, that even though I had to go to events or what have you, and I had learned to walk again and it was really about applying my creativity. And I did have a passion. I I kind of fell in love with fashion all over again and uh, was really, um, I feel really blessed that I was able to transfer uh, and apply all of my energy, my youthful energy from skating into fashion.
0: That's amazing. All right. Um, And then after your recovery, did you ever think about going back to skating?
1: I did. Um, I was actually hoping that after my skating accident, that I was going to go back to not only get back on the ice, but to compete again. And because my leg wasn't coming back as fast as I wanted it to, because when there is nerve damage, what most people may or may not know is that um, the 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 skin of the nerve is called the myelin sheath, and when there's damage, it grows back at a millimeter a day. So that meant it had to grow back from the top of my thigh all the way to the bottom of my foot. So we already knew it was going to be at least a year and a half before we would know if if the operation was a success. I see. I see. And during that time, because I was in my head, I'm going back to the ice, right? I mean, I was training and working out and doing everything I could making sure that I was well nourished. And one of the young skaters, all my other friends, I don't think they had the courage to say anything to me. And one young skater, his name was Dennis Coy. He said to me, Sid, he said, you're just going to have to, he said, you're never going to compete again. And he's only one. And maybe because he was young and precocious or what have you, he's only one who could say that truth to my face. And I was Mm -hmm. so angry at him because I wasn't ready to let it go. But it was the thing that made me realize, okay, now it's time to move on. So he really needed me a gift when he said that to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes these bad news or bitter words are, you know, they don't really land that well in the moment. But, uh, you know, later in the in your life, you realize the, that was, uh, you know, something doing a favor for you. So, you know, I've had uh, similar experiences in my life.
1: Well, and I think that, you know, sometimes life has or, or God or a source or the universe or, you know, whatever your word is for it, really has a bigger plan in mind. And sometimes when tragedy or challenges happen, I think yeah. that, you know, let's say when, as they say, when it rains and maybe there's clouds, maybe there's a silver lining.
0: Yeah, so that's right.
1: Sometimes leaning into it shows you what the gift is. And sometimes yeah. it takes time for the gift to um, show its face or to become yeah. evident, you know, and maybe it needed, It, it maybe thank goodness that my um, recovery time was at least a year and a half for me to process it, to yeah. heal myself, to be able to, have the courage to look for the gift.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one thing you pointed out uh, which resonated with me very well is like, you know, sometimes uh, things don't work out because, uh, you know, eventually there's a bigger plan out there for you. Because I've realized, you know, when I lose opportunities, I used to get upset. And then slowly I realized, hey, you know, if I did not lose that opportunity, I wouldn't have looked for the bigger opportunity that came along right after that.
1: Exactly. there's been some really interesting, um, uh, how can I say it? Um, learnings and I, I, am I've learned to take a step back when things Mm -hmm. happen instead of being reactive. As you just said, sometimes I, I think, oh, okay, what, where's the gift? Like, or, or why, why, how to turn a disappointment into, um, allowing for maybe something bigger that is supposed to come along. because can you imagine i was in skating as as i said um you know it's a different type of world i did it for uh 12 years thought it was i was going to do it till you know uh the end of my life and then and then that spawned uh a, a fashion career a very successful one of 36 years
0: yeah 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 for sure. Um, so uh, you had a you had you you, you had a, a goal for representing Canada in in the Olympics, right? So yes, I yeah. Did. Tell us about that.
1: Well, uh, when I was um, actually when I was thirteen, the Japanese government came and approached my family, and because they didn't have any strong female. Uh, skaters at the time I happened to be of Chinese origin but they were looking for like an Asian face a female Asian a strong female Asian skater so Mm. they offered me a duo citizenship to skate um, for Japan with one of their Japanese skaters and uh, actually and they wanted to train me for the Olympics so they would have you know also can you imagine my poor parents you know they the government was offering to pay for everything and to give me the duo citizenship, et cetera. They did give me the choice, um, to say yes or no all by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but skating even today, or even more today is quite expensive, you know? So my parents were probably thinking, Oh goodness, we don't have to pay for this anymore. Mm -hmm. You know? And, uh, I did refuse not because, um, I didn't want to go to the Olympics but because I felt that I was, would, that my talents were better expressed as a single skater, not as a pair or a dance, uh, partner. And I was supposed to go international, um, when I, in my 18th year, um, not only, uh, did the CFSA think I was going to win the championship, uh, the Canadian championship that year, they were, um, I was supposed to go international, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. nice. Um, and then uh, you turn into fashion. And then not only that, you started your own business. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Like, uh, did you have any early challenges or was it a fairly smooth sailing from there onwards?
1: Not at all. Um, I actually, uh, I won uh, awards in New York. So yeah. I was able to come home with those accolades. Um, Dad had said to me, okay, so now what are you going to do? I said, well, I guess I'll start my own collection. And, you know, he he um, gave me some, a little bit of money, wasn't very much, um, yeah, yeah. but gave me some money to start my first collection. And uh, we decided to convert my family basement into um, uh, a studio. So we painted it and I helped him build sub- uh, sub floors and put racking in. And, uh, it was a time when they had boat people. So we, uh, did the, um, uh, worked with the government to employ some people and, uh, to help me with the sewing. So I had a tiny little studio. I put the collection together. I ended up, um, selling all over the country uh, to Holt Renfrew to the Bay to Eaton's and and uh, it was really fabulous I had big runway shows and then um, I was a bit discouraged about doing uh, starting in couture and there was more because the garments are expensive beautiful fabulous fun to do but when only the um, upper echelon can wear them or can afford them I wanted to reach out to more ladies. I wanted there to be what I call an everyday fabulous. And that was really why I segued into working with um, some of the bigger manufacturers. I wanted to learn how do you make something at a good price and make 10,000 of them? There has to be a system. So not only had I sort of honed my um, skills as a designer, I wanted to know how do you work with a manufacturing facility like that? And then I uh, started working for bigger and bigger companies. And, you know, then QVC came calling and I started uh, designing and selling my own fashions and selling them all over the world in um through a tv shopping channel which was really super fun because it's very interactive you know the ladies get on the phone with you and hi sydney can i talk to you and you know you get to describe how your garments are and dress the models and and uh, and it's a lot of fun so that was really how i went you know sort of my pathway in fashion
0: cool and uh you know that's an amazing story you know i achieved a lot of success so congratulations on that but uh, uh, let's go back a little bit. And then uh, do you, if, you, if you remember, how did you get uh, your first few clients? How did you make your first few sales? Because that is always the toughest, you know, when you're starting off and trying to make a name for yourself.
1: Yes. Well, I had designed a small collection. It might have been 20 pieces or something like that. And uh, some of the um, gals at the Vancouver Show Mart uh, had helped me, you know, figure out how to do what they call um, the pricing sheets, etc. And then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go and call up all of the stores that I think my products look appropriate in and make an appointment. And that's what I did. I put you know, my, uh, clothing, you know, in the car had a little purchase order book and jumped in my car and went to, um, see Holt Renfrew. I went to see, there was a store called where else on fourth Avenue. You might, I I might still exist. It's owned by Tom and Molly. Um, margaritas carried my things and I stood in front of those buyers and I showed them, you know, product in the, the back warehouse and, and, um, they loved it. So they bought it. So I think that, you know, being, you know, um, being right in the trenches, hearing back, having someone tell you to their face, they like it, they love it, they hate it. Too expensive, not too expensive, or this is what I want. And then delivering on your promises is really important. It's really important, not just to have fabulous ideas, but to validate them. And that was really my You know, in today's business, I always say, what's your POC? What's your proof of concept? My proof of concept as a young person opening up a a new company, seeing if people liked my fashions was to make the collection, go out there and stand in front of the buyer and say, do you like it? Do you want it? Do you want to buy it? And they did.
0: Awesome. That's great advice. Yeah. I mean, um, we also uh, emphasize, you know, not only... for your industry, but for, you know, I focus on software and IT. And I always tell uh, any founders and anybody working on a project: make sure you get uh, your ideas validated and prototype them, and uh, don't spend too much time or resources until somebody says yes. You know, this is exactly what I want, and more importantly, I'll pay uh, pay for this product, right? Because a lot of people they say, yeah, I like it, but uh, I don't want to pay for it.
1: Yes. Yes. And I find that, you know, because I also um, work as a consultant for helping, you know, my product development um, strategy work is really helping people. You work on the IT side. I work on like physical products. Is it a fashion, jewelry, you know, because people fall in love with their ideas and, and it's not, we shouldn't fall in love with our ideas, but you know, where I'm, I caution people sometimes is, is, you know, don't fall in love with your idea, run off and spend a a ton of money getting it patented before you validate your idea.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. All right. So let's talk about that um, aspect of your career as well. Uh, How did you turn towards wellness, uh, enthusiasm and product development strategy?
1: I think... Uh, Manoj, that I use near-death experiences as my segue to change careers. So from my um, <laughs> dating, I kind of like, I wasn't going to quit. So life made a change for me, yeah. went into fashion with my near-death experience. And then I had this fabulous career in fashion and I really yeah. wasn't going to give it up either. And when I was 54, because I am a tender 60 now,
0: I um, <laughs> wow.
1: I I know, but I I have vitamins for that, right? So what happened was, uh, as a um, a business owner, I had many contracts around the world to do my TV shopping channel presentations, and you are required to show up live for the presentations, and what happened was I got sick at 54. I caught nothing more exciting than mono, and it crashed my immune system. So wow. I was like flat. I was, I was like, I was imprisoned in the hospital for two mm-hmm. months and the result of it, because I had such a bad inflammation in, in my body was I lost almost all of my hair. Wow. When that happened and I'm thinking I'm getting better and I'm, you know, I, I did actually, I opened QVC Italia from my hospital bed because it wouldn't allow me to delay the launch. So Uh I had to make arrangements with the hospital to call in, you know, because they wouldn't allow me to use my mobile. They wanted me to use a landline. So it was really, you know, it was a little bit crazy. Right. So when I um, needed to go back to start traveling and I was, my hair was falling out. I, I didn't want to take more pharma meds. I didn't want, you know, I just felt that I'd been too beaten up by, you know, unnatural chemical products uh, even though that it, I suppose it saved my life. I wanted to heal naturally. And so my naturopath felt sorry for me and he created the formula, which became my hero item in my vitamins and supplement, which is called fabulous hair, skin, and nails. And that's why, you know, at the tender age of 60, actually in August, I'm going to be 61. Why I have um, beautiful skin, beautiful nails, and beautiful hair for a lady of my age. And I thought, you know, when, when he made that product and, and I realized, wow, if it's really working that well for me, I need to share this with the world. Yeah, yeah. But the world of ingestibles is very different than fashions. And there's a lot more responsibility. There's product liabilities, there's health site licenses, there's NPNs and all of that. So, you know, I've I've only launched it about three years ago. So I sell in about 10 different countries around the world i've learned how to how i should interact non-interact things you can say things you can't say so it's been a it's really a passion project for me and then i thought i was just going to do that and um and then you know go off into the wild blue yonder yeah, yeah. but then people kept coming back to me because i wound down my fashion company i see And they said, Sydney, can you help me with my fashion collection? Sydney, can you help me with jewelry? Oh, I have a business idea for this. And so I have kind of a long career or a long, I guess, um, CV on things I've done or whatever. So I said, oh, okay. I'm just going to build a a website for telling people what I do. And this is, this is what I'll, how I can possibly help them. And that's how I became um, like a business and product development coach for people who have great ideas, but maybe don't know where to start. Maybe haven't had the experience of how to cost something, what kind of factories, how do a factory spec, um, logistics, um, what's a landed duty pay, you know, all of those things that make people's brains go to mush.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure.
1: So it's been really fascinating how I can share my knowledge with people and hopefully help them build a business that is sustainable, that is sensible, help them um, not make big mistakes or waste time um, to get them to an understanding of, what a bank is going to look for help them to come to an understanding of what, if they go to a retailer, what kind of presentation is necessary. Um, I mean, I'm working with uh, Cirque du Soleil. I did huge projects with them many years ago. And so, you know, uh, there's some licensing things that, that I can help some of my clients with there are, you know um, I'm in discussion with some of the TV shopping channels. So it's really a nice synergy of, um, information and experience that I can share with people who have really great ideas, but really don't know how to make even their first sample, maybe. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. That's, uh, that's so true. Like a lot of people have a lot of ambition, but I completely agree with you. You know, if, if they uh, try to do the do it on their own, it may take them longer uh, with a lot more mistakes, a lot more investment. And if they hire somebody like you, who have gone through this, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, the chances of success are exponentially higher, right?
1: Yes. It, it's very funny because even though I'm super creative, I'm very practical. And that's what one of my uh, clients was telling me this afternoon. He says, oh, you're all about deliverables and you do this this week and that next week. And then we do this and this is the schedule and we have to stay on. This. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, Manoj, if you and I went for coffee, yeah. We probably hear someone at the next couple of tables saying, Oh, I have an idea for this. And, yeah. you know, I've been thinking about or my kid had a, a backpack and it needs to be improved. You know, there are tons of people, with really great ideas, which are kind of like the next q-tip or the next Mm -hmm. toilet paper and things that really should come to life but they just don't know where to go because it's something that they talk to their girlfriends or friends about at coffee shops right yeah
0: for sure and then um i really find that a lot of people sort of you know talk about these ideas but they don't really take action and and uh, one uh, aspect of that could be you know lack of resources but I think a big aspect is lack of knowledge and experience. So, you know, helping those people out to get it get their ideas out there is not only serving the people who came up with the idea, but humanity at large, because you know, now people can actually enjoy and use these products and improve their lives.
1: Well, and I think that know this is my opinion but i think that we all come here on earth with divine gifts we come here with Mm -hmm. specific talents or things we're supposed to do so i think it's kind of i guess it's my personal for me i I don't want to go stand up uh and i don't want to go to the pearly gates and say you know what i came with my gifts and i didn't develop them
0: yeah
1: yeah, yeah. so i think that in in service uh Mm -hmm. if i can help people bring their ideas to life and really live their divine purpose then then that's part of my legacy
0: awesome that's great and so uh, over the years you know you worked with so many of your own products and uh helping others what are some of the common traits that you have found which are uh, you know uh which uh, sort of um project success of a product uh in the future
1: oh goodness what projects the uh, the success of a project in the future goodness well you know, uh, when I'm first working with a client, I, I always try to figure out where is the idea, what is the, what started the idea? And um, there was a, for instance, because that, I believe that the, it's not just about features and benefits. It's about mm-hmm. what was that inspirational moment and what was the aha moment that, 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 that the idea sprung from. Like for me with my hair, hair product, was like, yeah, you know, yeah. oh my goodness, it's natural. It's healthy for me. It's growing my hair back and it works. That was where that, that sort of springboarded from to for me to develop Sydney Mar wellness. Someone else came to me with an idea and he was like, well, you know, I was in you know university and in one of my tech classes, and I was looking at how all all you know how you look down the um, the theater seats and all yeah. the com- all the computers, and he was watching all of his, um, uh, I guess students, uh, not his students, but his um, the, the student body shopping online, and so oh, he he had an epiphany about uh, how to make the shopping experience uh, easier, better, faster. How to improve oh. it. Nice. And, and so I, I always want to know first, where did the idea come from? And then it, it, cause it kind of, that story is how it links back. It's kind of like part of the thread and that yeah. makes it make sense. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The backstory is uh, as important as, uh, as anything, because I think that's what connects you to your prospect uh, clients in the future, because they can see themselves in, in your story. Is that right?
1: Yes, absolutely, and I think that this is what, what when people are out there in the world and they're experiencing or they're seeing that something that they created, uh, for instance, I have uh, someone else who's um, creating teas, and for her, the whole um, ritual of tea isn't just about the tea even though she's right. very studied you know she knows about what she calls the agony of the tea where you know the tea is you know and that when the water um, is at a particular temperature and and it, it kind of the leaf unfolds and and she talks about how it's it's really aspirational and the experience that someone can have so from that idea she wants to develop retreats around the experience of 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 uh actually
0: the ritual of tea awesome that's great all right um well thank you so much for being with us today and sharing all your knowledge and wisdom and and your story most importantly uh now before i let you go is there anything that uh, that you may want to add that i haven't asked and uh that you want to share with the with the audience today
1: oh my goodness um i first of all i, I think that um if someone wants to be an entrepreneur and, I, and I'm going to share a, a short personal story because yeah. as you know, I talk to a lot of different uh, people who want to be entrepreneurs and, and that is, you know, we're, we're talking about bootstrapping. And yeah. one of my um, uh, potential new clients and I were talking about, you know, the fact that she wants to leave corporate, wants wow. to leave corporate has a great idea and, and is thinking about, you know, uh, the launch and all of that. And when I looked at her time, you know, how many months it would take for her to launch the product, how many months she would have to carry uh, her family home, you know, like she has a husband, but you know, what, how much do they have to pay? And as um, your uh, wonderful podcast here is called bootstrapping, it was really a point of bootstrapping. And I said, okay, how much are you spending a month? Uh And, and she knew the number, but then she couldn't tell me how much she was netting. Yeah. He couldn't tell me, um, and then she she was very reactive. So sort of like, well, I don't want to eat Raymond. I said, well, people who are eating, you know, like the packaged noodles, are actually people who are, you know, at like say fifteen hundred. They're just h- hardly keeping the roof over their head. But, you know, yeah. like that's a big stretch from the seventeen thousand dollars you're already spending a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. The talking about bootstrapping for all of the beautiful entrepreneurs out there who have these great ideas that they want to bring, I think is to first look at their personal budgets and what they can do to put it into a healthy, healthy, uh, manageable budget. Because like, for yeah. instance, if I did QVC and I used to, yeah, I'm going to say spoil myself with $50 mascara, guess what? Yeah. The truth is I can find a $10 mascara and I'm not shortchanging myself. I just, put the attention to it. So bootstrapping and being an entrepreneur means you have to tighten up your belt in a healthy way that you're comfortable with. Like for instance, I still go to my gym and all of that, but there are things that you can live with and things that you don't so that you can survive all of the entrepreneurial months that you are going to have Uh to carry. If you're going to bring your dreams to life in a way that is going to be healthy for you, your family and your loved ones.
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's so true. Like being an entrepreneur is not just about executing what you know, but you also have to pick up a lot of skills. Like you just mentioned, you need to be good with numbers. You need to good, be you know, good with marketing. I mean, you don't have to do all these things, but you at least need to pay attention to them and make sure that if you're hiring somebody or if you're working with somebody else, they are doing a good job.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Oof.
0: All right, great. Well, thank you so much, Sydney. Uh, now, before I let you go, can you tell us how people can reach out to you and, uh, uh, you know, maybe uh, consult with you and uh, hire you for your services?
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, as uh, we met on LinkedIn, I am on LinkedIn under my name, which is Sydney Mar, And I'm, I can also be found on Facebook. I have my Sydney Mar Wellness and my Sydney Mar design uh, pages, so easy uh-huh. to find me. My two websites are exactly the same, sydneymarwellness.com and sydneymar.com. And the reason, it's funny, um, the reason I left them all under my name is because QVC spent so much time and money on investing in the uh, SEO under my name. It was just, there was no way for me to hide my fashion uh, background. Mm -hmm. everything comes up, then I would be delighted to see people, if they want to improve their health, to reach out to me. If they have a product idea that they'd like to talk to me about, I do offer a complimentary discovery call to help them look at the feasibility and whether or not they're making something that can possibly be validated and make them a a wonderful um, business idea that can be developed. So I I do encourage people to uh, take a peek and see if I can be of service.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, thanks a lot again for sharing your story and being with us today. Thanks.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so
0: much. And now, if you are an existing or an aspiring technology entrepreneur, then I invite you to check out my new online workshop, Bootstrapping Your Tech Startup Dreams. Go to go.tetranodal.com slash boot podcast and sign up for free. I want to make sure more successful and sound decisions are made every day in your tech projects. Let's start finding solutions to your problems. So go to go.tetranoodle.com boot hyphen podcast and I look forward to helping you with your tech startup.